0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm sure most of you were glued to the Super Bowl over the weekend. But if you're anything like your budget tracker, you also kept an eye on the Senate which held a rare weekend session, the first ever on a Super Bowl Sunday, to slog through procedural steps for this $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Unlike the Super Bowl, this wasn't exactly high drama, but it did keep the bill on track, and it really does look as though the Senate is finally headed toward passing this long-stalled aid package after so many months of gridlock and false starts. But many Republicans aren't happy about the package, either because they oppose Ukraine aid or because it does nothing to enhance security at the U.S. southern border. And even if the Senate manages to pass it later this week, what happens in the House where GOP opposition appears even bolder? Joining me to talk about the state of the war funding measure and whatever else may be on his mind in this busy news week is Peter Cohn, the deputy news editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete.
1: Great to be here, David. It's always a thrill to get the
0: invitation to be on your show. An honor, as always, to have you. And so let's start with this emergency spending package, Pete, because folks might remember President Biden first requested this money essentially back in October. Here we are in February. It's been a long slog. So how does it look to you now, and does it get over the finish line?
1: Well, it's pretty clear it's going to pass the Senate, no question about that. Probably uh, on Wednesday, Senator Rand Paul can run out the clock, basically, and, and um, you know any senator can talk about the bill for as long as they want. Um, but really, the time runs out on, uh, on Wednesday, um, in the middle of the night. It looks like, but they'll probably be usually get agreements to roll that into the, the daylight hours when you will let people get some sleep, come back fresh the next day. But so it looks like Wednesday and then there are uh, Senate delegations that are headed to, to the Munich security conference uh, shortly thereafter yeah. and some other delegations. Senator Lindsey Graham was supposed to go to Munich, but he's diverting his travel to the Southern border in kind of a, you know, a, a protest. He's um, among those Republicans who are more than half of the Senate Republican conference who are. Opposed to this bill at, at this point, and um, it's sort of you know emblematic of of how far Republicans have come. I mean, Lindsey Graham, you know, is traditionally one of those more hawkish interventionist Republican senators, and and he he reiterated that yesterday on the floor. But um, you know, also he's quite close to become quite close over the last eight years to former President Donald Trump, and he's he's really kind of lashed himself to uh, to the wing of the party that thinks the border has to be dealt with first. So you know that's kind of where we are. We've got a Congress that is slightly more than half are members of the Republican party and um, Republican party writ large, less than half support continued aid to Ukraine. and so that's where we are more so in the Senate, you got about forty percent of the senators. Uh, or we're on board with providing more money for for Ukraine, which is, I think, a little bit more than at least one poll. Recent poll I saw about uh, Republicans voters across the country. And Senator Tillis made this point. I in in a uh, another publication. Um, you know, we in the Senate uh, are are we get the high level briefings. We kind of understand these issues more than your average voter. So th- therefore, you may see a higher level of support for Ukraine in the Senate, but. The House is a different story. You got members who are elected every two years versus every six years in the Senate. They're listening maybe more closely to their voters, who are not as supportive of of the war in Ukraine as uh, or or of U.S. aid to Ukraine as um, as even the Republican senators. And you saw there only about forty percent of the Republicans in the Senate um, support this bill. So it's going to pass the Senate probably no later than Wednesday, and then it's going to sit for a while and. Mike Johnson has some big decisions. You know, Mike Johnson sits in, there's all these same high-level briefings as Senator Tillis. There's a a part of him that probably wants to see some form of aid to Ukraine pass and certainly the the money for Israel and Taiwan to get through uh, in some form at some point. But there's probably going to have to be a a waiting period here and they got to deal with the regular appropriations bills in here in a couple of weeks and that's going to take center stage you got the uh, Federal Aviation Administration reauthorization that's due at the same time. So that's got to take precedence. There's a big tax bill they're trying to get through. I'm not sure
0: though, Pete. I mean, the waiting period, the White House isn't going to be willing wanting to wait much longer here. Uh, you know, they're, and they're, we got this week is a key week. And then they're, spo- they're taking a week-long recess. You think it's going to drag into March before we see anything? I mean, that that's really going to raise hackles uh, at the Pentagon who say that they 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 need this Ukraine money now?
1: Well, I mean, the White House doesn't have a vote in the u s. House of Representatives. so that's that's kind of where we are. the Senate's doing everything it can to get this over the over the finish line. You know, the Pentagon would like to replenish its own coffers with the aid that's in this bill. I think about thirty five billion would go to replenish u s. military uh, equipment and 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 uh, and weapons. Sure, of course, they'd like to see that get through, but you're also going to have a pretty massive defense appropriations bill come through here in the next few weeks in theory, Although we'll see what, what happens with uh, with that package, um, but uh, I, you know, there's no choice. We have we do have a recess. We have there are other priorities that are due. There's a, there's a March 8th deadline for all of these things, David. So you know, at some point the calendar takes over here. There's no deadline necessarily for the money for uh, in in this foreign aid package, except of course if you are are concerned about what's going to happen on the ground. Oh, yeah, I in, was
0: going to say but, people are people are dying. That's that that is a deadline course, there. But. Of course
1: it is. But you know, but the, the House Republican leadership knows that too, and so do their members, and so do their constituents. Yeah. And Johnson
0: is. There's no question. Johnson is a, is in a real predicament now. It does seem as though he's trying to be amenable to 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 this. He instead of giving a flat no to this bill, which he had done previously, you know, for months they insisted it had to have border security in it. Now it doesn't. But he did last week. Instead of just saying giving a flat no, he said, "Let's see what the Senate does." And he he left himself open here to some kind of compromise but he is in a tight position. And it was striking to me, Pete, how the awkward position had even put Mitch McConnell in, who had been insisting for months that, and he's one of the strongest advocates for Ukraine. And yet following the will will of his conference, he insisted for months that it it had to have border security measures in it.
1: Well, don't forget that the Biden administration put a a, a very large border Management piece in their initial self they did request
0: yeah, they did which left them an opening to do it this Correct. way and 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 so they seized it uh, and you can argue it was smart politically for them to seize it uh, because it gave them leverage to push for border policy changes that they desperately want but McConnell was dragging you know hearing that from his conference he 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 led that crusade pushing for border security and then they buckled you know trump came out against this bill and mcconnell had to backtrack and they just abandoned the bill and now he's just pushing for the ukraine only essentially with with israel and taiwan on it and and so now we saw over the weekend on this key procedural vote Yes, it got it, it advanced and McConnell voted for it, but most of his conference did not. It was, it's, it's a striking split in his, in his own conference now, even among in the Senate side, never mind the House.
1: Right. So that's where we are. The bill's going to pass without the border aid. It's very hard to do border and immigration policy, as we've seen for, for many, many years. And um, yeah, that's where they are. And they're moving forward without it. And uh, it's going to pass by Wednesday. And uh, then it's going to go in the, to the house, and it's going to it's going to have to sit for a while because there's just no time. They're not going to be able. You don't to- think, Pete, there's any chance the house the
0: house just takes it up this coming week while they're still in session, or puts it on suspension to
1: just throw it up there for a two thirds majority? I'd say the odds are. Uh, you remember uh, Animal House when they asked? Yeah. Uh, they talked about about Bluto's grade point average, and they said, uh, you know, John Blutarski, zero point zero. That's about the percent chance I think that they're gonna put this bill they're just gonna take the bill up in the house, put it on suspension this week after it comes over from the Senate.
0: Ouch. Those sound like pretty low
1: odds. Yeah, pretty low odds. Now they could do, you know, and you know, David, you wrote this in your column this morning. They could do a discharge petition in the House. There's a number of things you could do. You could do this, you know, a division of the question. But these are all things you 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 need a rule to do a division of the question. So you could vote on the pieces individually. So if members don't like Ukraine, they can vote against that piece of it. But they like the rest of it, they can vote on for that piece of it. But you can't do that without a rule. And so you try and get a rule through this rule. Now, you know, maybe you can get a rule out of the uh the rules committee. I don't know. With that, you got three members of the rules committee that would probably um not be in favor of that. And then you got to get it. Now you you could you've had Democrats come across the aisle to bail out Republicans on rules uh earlier you know, last year, we saw it with the dead limit vote. Um, so it's possible you get Democrats could could come over and, and help the Republicans out, but first you've got to get it out of the Rules Committee. So you know there's a lot of there's so many different variables here. Now a discharge petition it could work, but you know you've got so you have got 213 signatures on one right now. Could you in theory lure over um, a handful of Republicans, but you know you probably you might lose some Democrats too who don't like the aid to Israel. So you know. discharge petitions. You know, as you also pointed out, there's been studies about this. Discharge petitions are extremely rarely successful. Yeah. So um, there's just not a lot of, uh, of appetite um, in the House Republican conference for this. You know, again, we, we, if, if only 40% of the Senate Republicans are for Ukraine aid, you got you to gotta imagine that that percentage is lower in the House, lower than 40%. So what are we talking about? Maybe 30, 35% of Republicans support this? So if you're in the leadership in the House, where is what is your incentive to go rush this onto the floor? Now I know, yes, people are dying. But you know, the argument from that faction of the Republican caucus conference is going to be, yes, but people are dying at the border. People are dying of, you know, fentanyl overdoses. I mean, you know, that we've seen this over and over again. And and also in Israel, you know, what, why can't the Senate just take up our bill? Now, maybe they try to... What they may do, David, is, is, is take up their standalone $18 billion Israel aid package. They could potentially do that under a rule. Now, that's something that, you know, could very well happen. That's far more likely, in my view, to happen than they just take the Senate bill lock, stock, and barrel and try to ram it through.
0: But if they just do the Israel bill again, I mean... What does the Senate do with that? I can't imagine, I can't imagine that gets anywhere.
1: David, this is, why, this is why your show is so great because you ask wonderful questions, many of which just simply don't have an answer at this point. Yeah, in time. I mean,
0: it is, it is amazing how the, the dilemma this has put everyone in. Uh, really since October this has been going, it's just astounding to me. Um, what What could be a straightforward aid package has become this political hot potato. Wrapped up in in the the border chaos yeah. that that has just become, you
1: know, you just you can't discount public opinion here. You know, I mean, senators who get elected every six years they they make this point that you know they kind of have this holier than thou attitude about it that they know better than the rest of the country. Maybe they do, you know, they do have access to information that the rest of us do not. But public opinion here really matters, and especially in the House where. They do. They do get elected every two years, and so that's kind of where we are. And you know, I, I saw a fascinating stat the other day that over the last twelve months, the front line in Ukraine has not moved. So and so that's despite I think uh, forty-six billion dollars in military. Right,
0: it has been a stalemate. That, that Russia's occupied about twenty percent of Ukraine now for quite some
1: time. So. A stalemate. You know, the running out of, of of soldiers basically on. You know, Ukraine's going to run out of soldiers far faster than Russia. But Russia, I mean, you know, historically Russia doesn't really have much regard for the number of soldiers they throw at a, uh, you know, at a military engagement. But the front line hasn't moved in twelve months. We've given forty-six billion dollars, uh, another thirty billion or so in, in foreign assistance, humanitarian aid, and economic aid, and and that's where we are. They're, you know, so the appetite of the American people right now is is I think less than half. overall. If you look at Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, it's something like ha- at most half want to support additional aid to Ukraine. That's where we are. That's the political reality.
0: But it did seem to me, Pete, that Republicans sort of shot themselves in the foot on this, and Democrats are almost gleeful now because there was this bipartisan Senate border plan. Uh, at least bipartisan in terms of
1: you know the three negotiators who worked on it. You just said it right, David. You just you just made you just made the point right there. It was cooked up in a in a room with three people. There are maybe a few other people who were kind of read into what was going on. Uh, they released you know two hundred pages of legislative text on a Sunday night. They had no idea. Nobody had any idea what was in it. Even after a couple of days of trying to study it. Um, There are all kinds, there's all kinds of misinformation flowing around about this. It's an extremely complex piece of legislation. The last time they tried anything like this was in 2013. And every Republican practically who voted for that got their heads handed to them. And of course, it went nowhere in the house. It's an extremely complicated thing. So you have people like Senator Mike Lee of Utah who go to the floor and say, look, we haven't had any time to look at this. You're not allowing us any amendments to it. Well, no, he didn't. Schumer, Schumer had said he was open to amendments.
0: If they had gotten the cloture vote on that bill, they were they were open to amendments. And now it's put them in the position of the Democrats can say, well, Republicans blocked that bill and blocked any chance of amendments on the border, so they can't they can't cry wolf now and say we want the we, we want border security because we gave them the chance. They gave them a bill there was going to be an amendment process and, and they, Republicans turned it down. That's what Democrats are going to say now. I mean, they've they flipped the politics of it so that now they can say Republicans are the ones who aren't serious about border security.
1: Sure, in a way. But you know, I don't think anybody to this day really truly understands everything that was in that bill. And there was a lot of stuff in that bill that, did, that had more to do than just closing the border down. In an emergency, a lot there's a lot of stuff in there. A lot of provisions dealing with legal immigration, high skilled labor. You know there are lots of things. You know lots of things Republicans and Democrats support, but there's also you know in some cases a lot more. A lot, you know there are a lot more green cards as part of that bill. So if you're a you know one of these restrictionist Republicans and you're looking at this, you're saying, oh wait a second, this was sold to me as a border security package. Well, maybe there's some of that but there's a lot more of this other stuff too in it. So the bottom line is there just there wasn't a whole lot of time to study this. It was on a, this bill was on a fast track and Trump came out and said what he did, right. You know, and Mitch McConnell was just reflecting again it gets back to public opinion. He was reflecting what the Republican voters were saying even in the Senate where they have more of a kind of, you know, the the cooling saucer phenomenon, right? You know, they get elected every 6 years, so they're sort of supposedly less, you know, lashed to the to, to the will of the people, but still they're reflecting what Donald Trump, the leader of the party who commands far more respect with Republican voters across the country than anybody in the Senate, including Mitch McConnell. And that that's what happened with that. And so they they said, "You know what? Why are we going to bother with this thing? Let's go back to the original deal." And look, look at the result. It's going to pass. This week, that bill is going to pass in the Senate. In the Senate, that's correct. Look, it was never going to pass the House, even with the border provisions. Either, I mean, don't forget that that bill was dead on arrival in the House, even with the the giant two hundred page border package negotiated by three senators. Well, that
0: sounds it's it's still such a mess. It is amazing. I I guess I was still holding out some hope that that the bill could actually pass through the House too somehow,
1: but you. You see no way of had that happening, not not in its current form, and certainly not this week. I mean, don't forget we've got three weeks before the deadline for FAA for funding for every single federal agency runs out. Right. So that's the now. Look, could some pieces of this supplemental possibly migrate to the gigantic? You know, it's going to be one point seven trillion dollars worth of spending. We're going to see. Well, well, that's a good point. I mean, no, we are.
0: It does seem as though this it might could,
1: get chopped up into pieces. maybe. Yeah, a
0: lot of this like funding, I guess, could make it into the regular appropriations since we are bearing down on that March 8 deadline. I don't know about
1: a lot of it, but some of it, some certainly. of it, yeah. yeah, yeah, you could see some of that. I mean, you know, look, Europeans just stepped up with a giant economic aid package for Ukraine, divided it into it's a four year deal. Much of it, you know, much of it is loans versus grants, but you know, in theory, once the war is over, the Ukrainian economy can recover. But it's about thirteen and a half billion dollars a year for four years. It'll resolve the some of the, the initial problems that that Zelensky's government has with keeping basic government services uh functioning, keeping civil servants paid um for the next several months. And uh, you know, but still the US is, is the only place they can really buy the type of of, you know, of equipment they need to fight the Russians on the ground. And, uh, you know, again, the the front line hasn't moved for 12 months. So there's a bit of fatigue out there with continuing to pony up. Now, you know, I'm not casting judgment on that. I'm just saying that's the reality that the politicians on the ground are dealing with in in the U.S. Capitol. Right or wrong, that's where we are at this point in time.
0: So it's a frustrating situation, I think, all around. I think for everybody, really, no matter what side of the, of the equation you're on in this debate, it seems like everybody's frustrated now because as much as if, you, if you're dying to have border security or you're dying to have Ukraine aid or you're dying to help Israel, nobody's getting anything right now under this construct uh, because the politics just got so tough on this. Welcome to democracy. Yeah, it's, it's a mess now. So I guess I guess Pete. I mean, that may make these the regular appropriations even more critical here. If there's a chance that um, if they can if if they can even get those done by March 8, which also is still in question, I think, and they're in recess next week, it's 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 uh, they're, they're 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 running out of time. Where do you think that stands? Are you expecting to see a deal and, and actually pass uh, the approach
1: by March 8? I don't know. I mean, it's possible they could get some of them done, but um, you know, you got kind of maybe a less controversial batch in that first round that's due actually March first. You've got four of of those bills for departments of transportation and HUD and uh, USDA and um, the VA. I mean, you know, there's going to be a huge. There's always a huge uh, imperative to get the VA funding passed um, in a timely manner. So. You know, yeah, I I think they'll be able to do something. Whether we can get all the bills done on time by the by the second deadline, the March eighth, that's going to be a little heavier lift. So you may see a CR. You know, it's possible you could still see a CR for the rest of the year for for at least some of the government, and uh, they could write it in a way that doesn't do too much damage. They could write it in a way that avoids the, um, you know, the 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 automatic sequester that would happen uh, at the end of April. You know, but also Republicans still kind of have that cudgel in their back pocket that if the Democrats will come to the table on some of these policy rider issues, this is kind of what I'm saying, David. You know, you asked me why, you know, why can't they just use the next three weeks to focus on Ukraine? And this is why, because they got to turn their attention to these other things to avoid a massive train wreck at the end of- Yeah. Although, as
0: you say, it's not clear they'll even be able to finish the appropriations by March 8th either- And our colleague Aiden Quigley has had a story up on CQ and roll call just last week, I think, saying that they're nowhere on resolving the policy disputes in these bills. There's huge, huge differences between the House and Senate still on these policy riders, which govern everything from abortion to environmental restrictions, gun control, you name it. And Republicans are are looking for some, some policy wins. Mike Johnson was pretty adamant about that. And if they're fighting, if they're going to fight tooth and nail on those, that really does bode ill for for finishing these appropriations on time. So if we are looking at another continuing resolution, that I I could see maybe then at that point some kind of deal cut on a on a CR that also includes maybe some of this war funding measures some of the some of the supplemental spending and lump it all in and, and call it a day in in mid march i mean we've also got the the president's ready to put out his new budget for fiscal 2025 we should say on march 11 so everything's colliding here pretty quickly
1: that's right which is another reason why i think you know the ukraine aid package story is going to lie dormant for a little while after wednesday all
0: right, well, on that happy note, do you have any other words of wisdom to share with us, Pete, on on uh, what we should be looking for? Or uh
1: No, I just do want to, to uh, direct our loyal listeners to the fact that the CBS Network is a brand new show, Primetime, well, maybe a little later than Primetime, but it is called Tracker. And um, I'm not positive that it was created in honor of our budget tracker, David Lerman, but... I have a pretty good sense that they had uh, our, our uh, intrepid budget tracker in mind when they created this new action hero on uh, on CBS. So I commend everybody to watch that if they ever get a chance. You'll see the similarities, I think, between- Well,
0: actually, I'm pretty sure that it was in no way uh, made in, in honor of your budget tracker and in no way resembles what I do or who I am or what I look like. Uh, I disagree. St- the CBS tracker uh, is- uh, Able to uh, do daring rescues and reunite families within the space of an hour. You're both action
1: heroes, and that's what's that's what's important, David.
0: I think we'll respectfully disagree on that point. But that's all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard here, you should subscribe to the CQ Budget Newsletter, which hits your inbox every morning that Congress is in session. You can find that at cq.com. You can find all of our coverage on the budget and more at cq.com or com. My thanks again to Peter Cohn, the deputy news editor, for joining me. Thanks, Pete. Glad to be here, David, as always. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.